Hey everyone, I'm Aaron Green, head of SAP Success Factors across Asia Pacific and Japan, and welcome to the People People Unfiltered podcast. Each episode, I will sit down with extraordinary business leaders and discuss all things people experience. And today we're running with the times. With social distancing measures in place, we are recording live from Sydney, Australia and Gurgaon, India. I'm so excited to bring today's conversation to you. COVID-19 has had an indelible impact on employees and HR's responsibilities as the custodians of our workforce. This has created a real moment in time that learning and development needs to shine and how HR can really effectively harness that learning and development function. We'll also talk about how to leverage the gig economy that's been completely reshaped by COVID-19. Now, let me introduce today's incredible guest, Adesh Goyal, CTO of Tata Communications. Adesh has over 25 years of industry experience, numerous global leadership roles across a variety of functions, industries, and geographies. My personal favorite part is that Adesh is a happiness coach. A little happiness goes a long way right now. It's my privilege to welcome Adesh to People People Unfiltered. Hi, Adesh. Thanks for joining us today. The work that you were doing at Tata Communications is absolutely incredible. You've been bolstering your employees and your workforce's emotional resilience in the form of happiness coaching, in addition to transforming the learning experience to set your employees and Tata Communications up for really what is the future of work. Maybe you can give us a little background about yourself and the organization. Um, first of all, uh, good to meet you and have this conversation. Uh, so. Tata Communications is actually a global company. We have uh, employees in about 40 countries. We have uh, uh, customers in 200 countries. Uh, the network that we have covers more than 99% of the world GDP. In terms of my background, I've been with the company for 10 years. Uh, it's been great 10 years. And uh, basically, um, I'm half engineer and half businessman. And uh, in my career, I've done uh, all kinds of roles. I have been a head of engineering, I have been a product manager, I have been into sales, I have been a CIO, uh, I have I've done a lot of program management. I started my career as an executive assistant and uh, uh, my main job throughout my career on and off has been uh, into HR and that continues to be my primary job here at uh, Telecommunications. But uh, I've been lucky to get all kinds of opportunities. And the rule that I have followed is I never say no to any opportunity that you get. And at least for me, that has worked really, very well. So uh, I'd like to thank everyone who has been uh, supportive and part of my career. You know, I, I love that, Adesh. And, and, and it's interesting, the, the career path that you've just talked about for yourself actually resonates with me. I, I talk a lot with the younger kids, it's funny to say that now, isn't it? Uh, but I talk a lot with uh, you know emerging talent about my career and looking back on the last 20 years, I look at my career not as kind of a, a linear path. I actually really look at my career as being a collection of experiences. And uh, it, it's interesting to hear that you know you've gone from engineering to uh, to CIO, to leading, you know, the the people and culture and, and HR function at Tata Communications. It's a, that that collection of experiences, I think, is what really makes a very well-rounded leader. I don't know your your opinion on that. Yeah, so, you know, what doing different roles uh, does to you is that it helps you see the world from a different point of view. And it really helps you to broaden your horizon and your thinking and in a way it creates some type of systems thinking in you 
and when you do whichever job you're doing, you're able to think a little bit more broadly. Um, I think that that has been very, very valuable for me. And so, so you brought up the world view. Uh, the world is a really different place. So here we are sitting in uh, nearly in May of 2020. Uh, the world is a really different place today than any of us thought it would be even two months ago or probably even a month ago. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, that's due to uh, COVID-19 and kind of the, the, the change and the, the massive continuum of change that, that world economies and, uh, and people are going through. I'm curious, what are the strategies that, that you're putting in place at Tata Communications to, to really deal with not just COVID-19 today, but to also set your business up and your people up to be successful through this period of change and disruption? You know, our teams are so agile and creative that uh, we were able to quickly create programs to help people transition into a situation like that, right? So, for example, um, over the last three years, we have done a huge amount of transformation in, in the way learning happens at Tata Communications, right? So, three years ago, um, about 80% of our training, three and a half years ago, was delivered in person. And, you know, as of now, 90% of our train, training is delivered digitally. So we have completely inverted the pyramid. And by doing that, what we have been able to do also is that the, the training consumption uh, per employee per year has more than doubled because training is now available 24 by 7 by 365. And people are, you know, doing stuff when they're commuting, they're at the airport, they're at home over the weekend, uh, late in the evening. Uh, which was actually not possible earlier. So we use this ability um, to, to quickly put together programs on wellness, for example, which employees would take. How do you work uh, in a remote manner um, quickly, which people are not used to, you know, on, a, on an everyday basis. We, we created programs on pathways on how managers can engage remote teams. Uh, we created, you talked about happiness, we, we created uh, daily, twice a day, uh, meditation and mindfulness sessions. Um, and we recovered more than 8,500 employees uh, across 40 countries. And the feedback has been just amazing. And uh, since I'm also a certified uh, happiness teacher, I also conducted a few. And, uh, you know, it, it feels good to be able to be helpful in a situation like this. And within the company and outside as a volunteer, I have actually done a few thousand, um, covered a few thousand employee uh, people through meditation sessions and teaching happiness program. Uh, so it's actually quite good. You know, 72% of our employees are uh, millennials or uh, Gen Z. And, you know, that is perhaps one of the reasons why we were able to make such a huge transformation in the way we do things. It's fascinating, isn't it? This is probably leads me to uh something that I'm super passionate about, and I know you are as well, uh, which is this concept of being a happiness coach. Uh, it's it's such, I mean, even just saying that brings a smile to my face, uh, just the idea of happiness, right? You can't say it without smiling. Yeah. Uh, but as a happiness coach, you know, I think so much of it's about cultivating and maintaining the mental well-being of, uh, really as the objective for the organization or for the person that you're participating with. What do you think, you know, you, you're almost double-hatted. You're wearing the hat of a head of HR and one of a happiness coach. What do you think the role of HR is today as a custodian in employees' health and well-being, including mental well-being? Yeah. 
so you know um especially with the situation that's been created by covid um uh, wellness and employee uh, well-being has uh, i think shown up as something that uh, which, which i think become much more important than uh, it was earlier right and in a very short period of time um earlier i used to believe that ultimately well-being and health is you know your own responsibility right um however with the situation created with such speed right now and people working from home you know everything has got mixed up right and you are you're really forced to look at things in a holistic manner so vast majority of the time that we spend uh, you know is really working right and you give the best time best waking up time uh, to work so i think employees uh, uh, employers can certainly uh, take this up in a big way the the issue with employee employers taking this up is this right uh, ultimately it really calls for personal action right it's you know for example time management right or health or uh, stuff like this requires practice uh, and the practice is really at a personal level so while the organizations can do a good job of catalyzing the thing supporting it getting it going the the real work needs to be done by each one of us right and if you believe in it then we need to make a difference right uh, so the doctor will always tell us or our coach will always tell us that hey you know 30 minutes of exercise even walking five five days a week is great but uh, many of us are able to do that and you know a large portion of people are not able to do that yeah. so yeah. happiness is actually a skill like anything else right and it requires some amount of practice uh, for you to become good at it and the more you practice the uh, better you keep becoming there is no there's no end point there i completely agree it's um i often talk about you know mental health and physical health as needing to have scaffolding like the scaffolding you'd put up around a building and scaffolding that you never really take down i mean it's interesting you know my commute used to be kind of a 25 30 minute drive to the office my commute is now about 15 steps from my bed yes. <laughs> to my desk right and so it's even been i've had to rethink my own scaffolding yeah. around physical well-being and how i need to put that structure in place for myself and also the mental well-being you know because there is this kind of unintended emotional toll and mental toll that i think we're all going through right now which is you know we read heart-wrenching headlines and we see you know we see the inability for some countries to to progress we see friends or families who are in economic or financial distress and that takes a mental toll as well so i i agree with you there's there's part of it which is the individual responsibility of putting up that scaffolding and yeah. making sure that you're taking care of yourself but i think right now there's almost an increased reliance on the employer to encourage some of those working practices whether they are take a break from mindfulness or a happiness session whether it's a you know a boot camp or yoga yeah. maybe it's even something as simple as saying no calls after 6 or 7 p.m. because we need to actually give people separation from work and personal life when work and personal life are actually all happening in the same room right now absolutely i'm probably of the opinion that the best thing that 
mature and technologically advanced employers can do is actually deliver more content, more training, and give people a variety of options. You know, in the same way that we used to think about learning, you know, some people learn really well by, well, we still think this way about learning. Some people learn really well in a classroom. Other people learn by reading. Other people learn by listening or watching. We need to think about uh, creating that scaffolding for people, over communicating with them, giving them options to make sure that they are taking care of themselves personally and professionally and in a way that we just haven't had to do as employers historically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, ultimately, like you're saying, what you're calling us, we have to build our own scaffolding. Um, I would use a similar word, uh, but somewhat different, that we need to build that muscle in ourselves. Mm. That, and, you know, muscles requires practice to build. And even if you build it, you have to still keep practicing, otherwise the muscle will go away. So it's not something that you just do it once. Uh, you you just keep at it, right? For example, in a way, some of these things like wellness, work-life balance, etc., uh, are a strong need or a concern for all of us. But the trick is how do you make it into a priority? And that nobody else can do for you. I think that is through only personal action. I totally agree. I mean, it's the it's the idea that happiness is a mindset. I personally wake up every morning, and I've done this for years, and I think of three to five things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. And they can be small things or big things, but that's just the way that when I do that, I can kind of get out of bed uh, happy, right, or in a happy mindset. And so I agree with you, you know, so let's throw away the word scaffolding. It's that muscle that you need to exercise. And it it, it is a personal responsibility, and it requires rigor and discipline to do it, to, to almost coach yourself into that happiness uh, frame of mind. Yes. And, and what the companies can do is to create communities, create dialogue about it, make it a priority, so that it is not odd for people to talk about it, right? So you really get uh, the permission to do stuff like this, right? Which uh, in today's culture of hard driving, performance oriented, ambition, uh, that can look pretty odd, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think that's the role the companies can play. So you and Adesh, you and I are in, I think, really you know, speaking of gratitude, uh, I'm pretty grateful. And I think you are as well. We we are in really quite fortunate positions, right? We work for large, uh, you know, IT focused industry, uh, companies. Uh, but there's also a whole category of employees that have really over the last, I'd say, probably well, gosh, nearly 10 years emerged. And, you know, 10 years ago, we called it the gig economy and it was going to revolutionize the way that we all worked. And I think we could argue that it's disrupted a few industries, but it hasn't fully revolutionized the way that we all work. But in a time with uh, COVID-19, where we have all of these gig workers who don't have traditional formal employment, uh, what's your perspective on, on how they get through what is a really turbulent time for them, for themselves and their families. Yeah, to the extent possible, we should maintain the employment of gig workers who are employed by us and not be opportunistic and just let them go uh, when we don't have the need. So I think this will make the community stronger. And, you know, like, like it's, you know, if, if you have a sense of gratitude, then you feel like doing good things, right? And if you keep thinking about only yourself, then you you see the lack and I don't have have this and I don't have that. 
but we have 7000 employees who who are not our employees they are employees of our vendors who are actually managing the network for us right so india is a large country you know we 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 have a network all over the world right we we are one of the largest uh, uh, owners of uh, undersea cable systems right so there are people who do that for us right who specialize in doing this and they employ technicians and while out of 19000 98% people are working from home but for the employees of our vendors uh, they are mostly providing essential services so they can't work from home right and so far personally i thought of them as hey somebody provides a service to us right uh, i never thought of them as people uh, that there are people there right and there's yeah. something we we started working on that already and as more time goes we want to connect with them better and see what we can do for uh, their well-being you know for example gone ahead and uh, already taken life insurance for all the 20000 such employees of our vendors which they didn't have and we 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 also going to take care of their uh, medical needs uh, if their insurance does not pay for it if they become sick in the current circumstances uh, so those are some of the things that we we are already doing that's so incredible right because it's you know we we so often talk about the extended workforce but we talk about the extended workforce you know through the lens of almost a commercial lens uh, and you know a risk or a safety lens but but I love the, the way that you're looking at it which is really a duty of care for you know anybody who uh, who's providing a service to you in order to allow you to provide the service to, to the customers that you provide them to so adesh tell me um i've heard talk about project marketplace and that you've been involved in that can you tell me a little bit about that sure so the vision that we went with was that how can we create a self service experience to all the employees irrespective of what role they do right and number 2 rather than using some more traditional well established ways of working could we just break the mold and make it market oriented so there'll be managers who have a project which might be in data science right uh, but they either don't have the resources or they don't have the expertise so they could put that project out in the marketplace and any employee who is a volunteer who wants to volunteer to do that right so basically it's really a gig economy concept that if you create a demand the demand already exists you bring it to the fore uh, the the supplier already exists but they didn't know how to do it and when they do a good job and you know when there is a match so you are a manager uh, who wants to get something done you have no resources i said hey i am an or guy uh, i know mis and statistics but i don't know data science but i'm willing to learn and do some experiment with you um and there is another person who knows a little bit so we take this up you said okay better than not doing let's just try these guys out and i work hard and the other guy works hard and you are somewhat happy with what we produced so you give us a good rating on the market marketplace that hey this guy did a reasonable job uh, on data science right and Uh, we said hey uh, i had a great time working uh, for this manager uh, and you start really this threads where people are developing capabilities creating networks right and if i show my interest as data science then a learning system starts to send uh, feed to you saying that here are three courses that you could do uh, to sharpen your edge on data science and 
the more projects you do, um, the more points you earn, right? So we have gamified it. And you can then earn those points to you get badges. And then we offer uh, people to do, you know, some more advanced paid courses that you could do using those points. So you now create learning journeys, you create capability building journeys, you create networks. And if I've done three, four projects of a particular type, next time there is a job, I can actually apply for it, right? So when I apply for a job, this profile will automatically show, pick it up from the project marketplace and say, this guy has done four projects. Here's what the four managers with whom he worked, which he, he was not reporting to them, right? Um, he or she was not reporting to them. It's just that it, it was really in the community and you can create progress like that. So that's really how we built it to not just create a culture where you could work with people who don't report to you or you don't report to them. Number two, create opportunities for people to develop and showcase what they know um, and you know create new capabilities, right? So create a market concept, a very different way of working. And then we also went ahead and integrated a project marketplace and a workforce planning system. And one of the largest uh, uh, freelance forums in the world, right? It's a company in the Bay Area, headquartered in San Francisco, uh, Upwork, right? We have more than 12 million um, freelancers saying that, hey, uh, you know, you can get your work done through FTEs, uh, you can get your work done through project marketplace. Uh, which is free, and you could, or you could convert your FT budget into an OPEX budget and get your work done through freelancers. Right? So, uh, so we we've had many many projects. You know, I think about 200 projects that have been done through Project Marketplace. Uh, we've had about 100 projects to be uh, done through freelancers, and uh, then we went ahead and created a global policy. Uh, I think about a year ago. Uh, that any employee who wants to work part-time can go ahead and work part-time. Uh, you have to work minimum 50% so that we can continue to provide you benefits. So that was to, to leverage, to, to, to really take a bold statement that any employee uh, you know, will have need in their life at some events in their life where you cannot work full-time. And if you can't get a half-time job, then you actually land up leaving the job, which which becomes harder to come back then, right? And, yeah. and so... We, 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 you know, what we visualize is that in future, there'll be four types of, you know, members of the workforce. Uh, there'll be full-time employees, then there'll be part-time employees, there'll be freelancers, uh, there'll be actually people who are volunteers in a program like Project Marketplace. And then I also visualize a fifth type, uh, which looks somewhat distant right now, that you would hire employees on a master services contract uh, agreement. Uh, you actually give them benefits, but they don't get any salary. The salary they get is based on how much work they do. Right? Uh, okay. And that looks a bit distant right now, but I think this whole COVID situation might sharpen that. Right? Um, so that's one. I think the second angle is this whole concept of career building competencies and skills. Whenever you're doing any leading edge work, you require some skills uh, which don't exist in big big numbers to begin with, right? Uh, what what I've seen in my career is people, when the demand comes, lots of people are able to develop new skills pretty quickly just simply through personal commitment and hard work, right? Now, 
On the other hand, we have this established mechanisms that have been there for decades of measuring competencies, assessing competencies, and saying, you know, unless you're qualified for this, you shouldn't be able to do this work, etc. Now, for doing some regulatory work, safety work, yes, I understand that. But for others, why should we come in between a manager who wants to hire somebody to do a job and a person who wants to do a job, right? Uh, why should we care whether he or she has the skills or not? Because a lot of times people will develop skills when there's when the rubber hits the road, right? And right. unless the rubber hits the road, the skills will not develop, right? So the approach we are taking is that for every employee, they using an IGP internal job program through which you can change jobs, and you know all our employees are eligible to apply for any job that comes up. It actually gives you. Uh, uh, and it's, it's a bit of a lab right now, but uh, it, it, it gives you that here are the four jobs that you can apply for, right? And there's a 60% match, 80% match, 20% match, 30% match. And then we show them what are the skill gaps for uh, for, for the number 200, right? And, and then the skill gaps lead to which are the training programs we would do uh, to, to uh, fill those gaps. So what we are building is how could we encourage people to take any path that they want to take and encourage managers to take chances on people that they want to take chances on, right? And You're putting that in the employees' hands, you know, so the people who are hungry to grow, hungry to learn, or hungry to contribute are able to do so outside of the framework of their, their current job. Uh, but I also love what you just said about that that fifth category of employer, uh, employees that, that kind of I'd almost call that like an outcome-based payment, right? Where you sign up and based on what you contribute and what you deliver, uh, your payment is commensurate with that. I think uh, you're right, that's probably a little bit in the distant future. I think there's a lot to work through on that. Uh, but I'm really curious, Adesh, you know, what, what you've just described that you've done at Tata Communications, uh, the, there's just so much strategy and so much workforce planning and and also quite a healthy appetite for risk that you have to take to to really fundamentally change the way that you look at uh, at how you manage some of your talent. What did that take? You know, you're you're the CHRO. What did that take with you know the with the C-suite and potentially the board to to implement this? So you know, as a company, we are quite supportive of uh, uh, of doing new stuff, and many many companies are. Uh, one of the things that we have used uh, for doing some of the stuff over the years is the agile approach, right? So, um, the, see, it might look impressive right now, but uh, this is not the exact vision that we started with immediately, right? So you say, okay, how about doing this? How about doing that? So one approach that we're taking within HR is that. Hey, let's do this as an experiment and see whether it pans out. Can we build a prototype uh, and see, you know, if it works great, if it doesn't work, we'll let it go, right? Uh, so take an experimental approach and see, is does it have legs, right? Can it fly? And that's one. I think the second is take the agile approach, you know, develop something first. Uh, and don't say that this is a new strategy, uh, this is what we're going to do. And the moment you announce it, uh, it's going to lead to debate, right? Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, keep doing a delta, 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 and six months or one year later, one and a half years later, uh, people would not notice that so much has changed because it was slow, right? So one thing that I've learned is 
you know, don't you don't necessarily need to announce your intent, right? Uh, as long as you're willing to take responsibility for failure, uh, people actually love it. And you know, we always test things with as you know, small number of people, 50 or 100 people before we'll go out and make some investment in it. And our leaders and managers uh, have been very supportive. You know, like I said, three fourths of our employees are millennials. Uh, they are ready to try anything. Right? And um, I, I think uh, I would say we have a pretty supporting environment and we have been lucky that we have been able to achieve some of this. I think it's incredible. And, and, and you're absolutely right. That that agile approach and that that idea of failing fast but iterating and you know kind of as you do that it slowly just becomes part of the company's dna yeah and and people don't notice that over time the landscape has shifted but it's actually shifted uh, in favor of the employee and in favor of the outcomes for for the company as well yeah yeah, yeah. i genuinely wish more employers did that the vision that you've outlined for us in this chat and you know the the fact that you're absolutely spot on you know the the core is one piece but then if you're not experimenting if you're not trialing new things if you're not thinking of what your employees or your leaders need today or fundamentally what your employers and leaders might need in two years time if hr isn't trialing those things today then hr will always be delivering the same service that they always have, as opposed to fundamentally shifting the game for the business. And it, it just sounds to me like you've done that so incredibly well at Tata Communications. I'm, I, I have to say, I'm incredibly impressed. Uh, I might be applying for a job later with you. <laughs> well, I like that part. I, I like that part-time thing. That that's yeah. really good. I'd love to do that too. And see, the the, the thing is, uh, if you if you take a platform approach, if you take a market approach. For you to take care of a future requirement is much easier than when you're customizing a solution for solving a specific problem, right? How many times do you do that? So if you are able to empower your users, which are employees, managers, leaders, whatever, project managers, then they will actually start using the system in ways that you didn't imagine, right? For example, the project marketplace, somebody said that I want to run contests here, right? I want to solve a specific problem. And can we do an innovation contest here? So we said, okay, let's develop that that functionality, right? And then somebody said, hey, you know, uh, can we develop communities here, right? So people who want to learn machine learning, people want to do AI, people want to do data science. So we created the community function there, right? So all of these people come together, they figure out, they they help each other, they say, I read this and this worked for me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So actually, your users start to give you feedback on what more they need. Right, yeah. and you, all you have to do is to just just solve that problem for them. Yeah, it's interesting, right? The, it's almost like the technology is second to the need and the outcome. The technology is just the enabler. Uh, it, it transports the need into the outcome itself. Exactly, exactly. But you know, some of these things could not have been done ten years ago. Of course. Uh, but technology that way has been just amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, my first job was selling mobile phones, and now what I wear around my wrist is about a hundred times more sophisticated <laughs> than, than a mobile phone was 20 years ago. That is true. So, so you're right, the speed of change is incredible. Listen, Nadesh, thank you so much. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I uh, personally, uh, I'm going to go uh, exercise my meditation muscle a bit later this afternoon. Uh -huh. uh, 
but you know, and I love that. I'm I'm going to change my my terminology from scaffolding to exercising uh, the, those muscles. I love what you're doing at Tata Communications. The the enthusiasm that you have for your people, the passion that you have for delivering those outcomes, and doing it with a smile, and you know, really being a happiness coach. Uh, you know, it, it it's a powerful combination. So thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for for giving us this opportunity and I'd like to say that you know we are all very lucky to be a part of Tata Group and to be a part of Tata Communications because that's what really gets us all going and uh, you know we have a great team that's doing wonderful stuff all over the world. Oh, that's awesome and I can't wait to spend more time with, uh, with you and the Tata team.